My brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ our Lord, it's so good to have so many here today. I'm always worried when there's some traffic event that all of a sudden there will be a mass exodus and it'll just be the cantor and myself here in church. Today, this great feast of the Feast of the Transfiguration, my golly, we can talk on so many different planes and theological levels, but I'm not going to do that today. There's a movie with Sean Connery, and it takes place probably in the, the Middle Ages, and he was a priest monk, and it was kind of a mystery thriller, and he was going to a council, and he had with him a novice, and the novice got into trouble and, and finally came to, to the priest, to, to Sean Connery, and wanted to go to confession. And he says, you know, goes through a form of the formal beginning, and, and Sean Connery stops him and the priest and says, Just why don't you just talk to me as a friend? Nothing legalistic, just talk to me as a friend, as if you would Christ standing in your midst. So that's, and that's what I like about confessions, particularly those that come without, you know, the great um, choreographed proli um, prologue into a, to a confession. You just come in your brokenness to Christ. I often wonder, think to myself, I would like to be at one event, at least one event during Christ's life. Not so much walking the grounds that he walked, but I want to be there when he was there. As one who absolutely loves Christmas, I mean, I'm as giddy as a kid when we get to that season of nativity. I would love to have been in the, the nativity, in the cave, and seen the wonder of the shepherds when they came in and heard the angels singing glory to God in the highest. Oh, that would have been something. But then I think, well, I, I, I am a priest, I get to baptize. I would love to be with our Lord in the Jordan when he was baptized by John, to see John in action, to see the Spirit in the form of a dove descending upon our Lord, and then our Lord being driven out into the desert. What an impression that would have made on me. As a preacher, I would have loved to have been on the Sermon of the Mount and heard those words of sweet love coming out of the lips of our Savior. As one who, who is a confessor, I would love to have been there with Jesus when the, the Jewish leaders drug the woman caught in adultery in front of him and said, you know, this woman was caught in adultery. What does the law say? What do we do? And to hear the tone of his voice when he spoke, to the people, let him without sin cast the first stone. And then to watch, what did he write in the sand? And afterwards, to hear the, that releasing words when he asked her, is anyone here to condemn you? No, sir. Then neither do I condemn you. Go in peace and sin no more. Those words alone would have been enough to put me away. That, that's all I would have needed. As one who perfects the Eucharist, ought to be in the upper room and hear those words of institution that would bring about my means for communion with God. Oh, that would have been idyllic. I would not have wanted to be at his passion and any of the, the, the scourging or any of the crucifixion. I would be physically ill and vomiting through the whole thing. 
I saw the passion once, and if it's anywhere close to that realistic, forget it. I'll pass on that one. It would hurt too much. But at the resurrection, as one who absolutely eats up Scripture, to be on the road to Emmaus with Luke and Cleopas, as Jesus was opening the Scriptures, opening their minds to the understanding of everything that had to do with Christ? Wow. But I think, for me, the greatest feast would be, the greatest place to be, would be on the Mount Tabor that we celebrate today and our Lord's transfiguration. When we see Him in His glory, as much glory as we sing, as we can behold. We get a glimpse of His, his Godhead, his, his God, as it shines in His glory, as it's expressed in His glory. The divine energies that are flowing through. To see his face shining brighter than his sun, his raiment whiter than snow. It must have been more than just light that knocked those grown men on the ground. It had to have been, along with it, a power of presence that suddenly it's just you're not standing before the man Jesus, but the Word of God in the flesh. That must have been the overpowering experience. Maybe it's because of Moses. Last night in the Old Testament readings, we heard about from Moses and from Elijah. Both of them had mountaintop experiences, right? But Moses had a unique one. He received the tablets the first time. Remember when he came down and, and the Hebrews were all in a mess? And he threw them away. Well, I'm thinking the Charlton Heston version of it, you know, and, and the ground opens up. But the tablets were destroyed. So God told Moses to cut new stone, new tablets, go back up to the mountain. And so for 40 days, Moses was up, and the people could see the, the, the clouds and the fire up on the mountain. And Moses, for 40 days, was writing down all that God told him, not only the Decalogue, but all the laws. And when he came down the mountain, the people didn't recognize him and they were afraid of him because his face was radiant with God, the glory of God. He had to call to them, come to me, it's me. And when they came, then he told them all that God had said for him to tell them. Then he would put a veil over his face because it frightened the people. Then from that point on, whenever Moses went to the meeting tent, whenever the Shekinah, the great cloud, came over the tent, Moses would remove his veil, go into the tent, and converse with God. When he would come out, the people knew that he had an authentic encounter with God because his face was once again glowing with the glory of God, with radiance. He would tell them all that God had said, and he would put the veil back on his face. The glory that Moses had was a fading glory. It would be there and then would fade away. It would come and then would fade away. It was not Moses' glory that radiated, but the glory of God. But on Mount Tabor, that was all Christ. That was his glory, his radiance. It was a, a reminder of us that He is true God. 
that he is just not an ordinary man, as the world is trying to say he is to this day. And he was on there, and, and, the, and the, 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 Peter says, it is good for us to be here. We'll build some booths for you. And he didn't understand fully what he said. And then another cloud comes over, reminiscence of the Mount Sinai, and over the meeting tent, the great voice of God the Father speaks out to him, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Listen to him as Moses listened to him on Mount Sinai. Listen to him as Elijah spoke to him up on that mountain in the whisper. He is the word of God. He is my word. Listen to him. What an experience that would have been to see my Lord and Savior in his glory of what we could behold of it. But, I wonder, because I know the Taboric Light and the Desert Fathers have had experiences of what we call the Taboric Light, the divine energies of God that exude from Him, <clears throat> that come from His essence, ever coming from Him. And they have an effect on people. We read in the lives of the saints, those whose flames would become, fingers would become flames of fire. Or St. Simeon, the new theologian who lived in the 10th century. It was said of him that he experienced the Taboric light, the divine energies. You would, they'd look in his room, and his room would be filled with light. St. Seraphim, a Serov, a Russian mystic in the 19th century. He too experienced that would become illumined completely with that same light. And so I think to myself, what's wrong with me? Maybe you've had that experience yourself. I come here and seven days a week I'm standing before the holy table celebrating the divine mysteries. I try to live a good life, but I'm not glowing. Is my, am I so sinful that God has said, no, not for you, not for you? Am I not good enough to experience those things? Is it only for just a select few? Then I remember an experience I had when I was in high school at a, Catholic, at, a, at a church function, and there was the priest at that time, Father Michael Ibeck. And it was at night, and we had a big bonfire, and we were roasting marshmallows, and we were, we were up really close to the bonfire and you know, feeling that real heat. And, and, and I remember Father Michael putting his hands in the pocket, and he goes, Oh, my goodness! My keys are hot. So I put my hands in and I had my, my keys and the coins I had, and they were really hot. They weren't in the fire, but they were receiving the energy from the fire, the heat. So they had a participation in the fire. And it dawned on me when I start to have these experiences, what's wrong with me? That I am still having that experience even though there's the veil over my eyes. Us gathered here right now are being imbued with that same Taboric light. It's infused into our soul. It's transforming and transfiguring us. We are going through, as it says here on the icon, a metamorphosis, a change. 
That taboric light is present when you receive the holy mysteries, when you come to the sacrament of confession, when you're anointed with the sick. My gosh, how much did you receive last weekend with all the anointings we had? Even in this gesture of a priest giving you a blessing, whether in the temple or when you come up outside and say, a blessing, Father, that's there. God's energy is there. He is fully present there. And so we are being changed by that light. We are being affected by it. We are having the same experience. I love this feast because it's a feast of God's glory. The feast that our Savior is true God, so He has the power to save us. He is the true God, so He has the power to forgive us. He is the true God, so He has the means for making us sons and daughters of God. What a glorious feast to be illumined by the light that flows from Christ. Let it fill your hearts to overflowing. Allow it to linger in you and spread that light as reflected in love to others.